So as we just mentioned a few moments ago, we are just back from, from vacation for a couple weeks off, and it was a fantastic family time. You want to, like, it was a time, two weeks, where we made lots of memories. We did a whole lot of different things. It was just great. But, I, I, but you know, you might have this experience, that transition from vacation mode to real life, as I call it, that could be a hard transition, can't it? You know, and it isn't because we don't like our jobs or we don't like what we're coming home to, but for us, we spent two weeks pretty much doing whatever we wanted. We got up when we wanted, we ate when we wanted, we ate a lot of snacks when we probably shouldn't have, but we did it anyways. The kids went swimming every day. We were in boats, we were uh, running around doing fun activities. There were naps that sometimes were taken and just times of sitting and enjoying some uh, outdoor space. It was good. And there was no sort of routine. Our kids for like two weeks had no bedtime routine. There was one night where at 10 o'clock at night, they were sitting around the campfire being the life of the party. And Michelle and I were sitting there thinking, you should have been asleep for two and a half hours already. What's up with this? But that was, that was vacation mode. And then we come home and we have to switch gears to not vacation mode. And in a sense, we're all doing that this weekend, aren't we? where we've been in summer mode and now we're switching to fall mode and to fall routines and things change somehow over the course of this weekend. You know, over the next couple weeks, over the next couple of days rather, uh, families, we're going to adjust to kids being at school again and we have to make lunches. You know, there's been two glorious months of no making lunches. We're back to that one. We have to figure out how to do that one again every day. Students are going to find themselves now having assignments and due dates that they have to work around, that they didn't have to work around for the last little bit. And for those of us who aren't involved in school, uh, you know, but we're working, our work lives change, don't they? Where things have been a little bit quieter over the summer months, people haven't wanted as many meetings, our clients have been a little bit more relaxed because they are out and doing their vacation thing, and suddenly this week things kind of get real again. And our calendars are going to start to fill up because all those groups, all those activities that, you know, we are involved with, well, this is the next, over the next couple weeks, they're going to say, hey, you know what, we should probably start to do something, shouldn't we? We're doing that as a church, sorry about that, but hey, it's the time to get going. And suddenly our calendars are going to get busier than they have been. There's a transition that's in front of us. And the temptation could be just to, you know, mindlessly slip into fall routines. You know, we've done it before, we'll do it again. But I would like to encourage us to see this as an opportunity, this season as an opportunity for us to to pause and reflect, to acknowledge things that are worth celebrating, things that have been good, things that we've appreciated, maybe even acknowledge some of the things that haven't been good, and to commit or recommit ourselves to things that we want to be true in our lives going forward. And so for for some of us, over the next week, we might find ourselves uh, being just really thankful for the rhythms of rest that we've had over the past few months and find ourselves thinking, you know what, I would really like to do what we can to not just be as go, go, go this fall as we often are. So we celebrate the rest and we commit ourselves to changing our patterns going forward. Or maybe we've had some really good times connecting with family and friends over the past few months, and what we'd like to see going forward is some more intentionality of leaning into the relationships that are life-giving and to not let our calendars get out of the way, get in our way. We want to make space for relationships to happen. And then we also need to recognize that for some of, some of us, this summer has been a really disappointing season. It hasn't been what we've wanted. It's been discouraging. And so our commitment maybe is that we will do, we will be intentional to do what we can to improve our circumstances. 
You know, this pattern of acknowledgement and commitment is something that, you know, can be true. It could be a part of our regular day-to-day lives, but certainly is a part, should be a part of our spiritual lives. That we should find rhythms, we need to find rhythms to celebrate God's, you know, what God has done in our lives. How we are growing close to God. And certainly what we've done this morning in, in gathering here to worship and to pray, to praise God and to pray together and to meet together. This is one of those times where we celebrate, where we make space to celebrate and to acknowledge God's place in our lives. And some of those, you know, acknowledgments are ongoing, and some of them are like one-off sort of things. And these are, you know, the commitments that we make. The ongoing ones are where we wake up every day and we say, God, you know what, today, in whatever I do today, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what is loving. I want to do my best to follow you. But, every, but there are also these commitments that we have in our lives that are expressed in specific moments in time. And this morning, I want to talk about one specific moment in time where we both celebrate and we commit ourselves to to Jesus as we talk about baptism. And the big idea this morning is that through baptism, we celebrate what God has done in our lives and we commit ourselves uh, to the way of Jesus. Now, to get us started on this, we're going to watch a, a video, a very short video clip of one of our students, Emma, who was baptized at Camp Kakwa a few weeks ago. And as just before we watch this video, I want to just emphasize that what we are seeing is not uh, Emma making the first steps of faith in her life. No, Emma has been following Jesus for a while. Rather, what she is doing is she is celebrating what God has done in her life, and she is committing herself to following Jesus. So let's start by watching this video together this morning. You know, it was a really special moment, and we were fortunate to have been at camp that week, and so that was fantastic, and Randy and Deb, I will send you the video, the whole video, okay, later on today. You know, as we explore this theme of baptism together this morning, I want to acknowledge that we might find ourselves having a few different responses. Some of us might find ourselves wanting to tune out, okay? We've been baptized already, we've heard the spiel, the sales pitch, and so we might think, well, we know this already, and so we can, we can tune out. And for others of us, well, you know what, we're skeptical of God, Jesus, and churchy type things, and well, baptism's all of those things, and so we might want to tune out because we aren't really sure what we think. If you're tempted to tune out this morning, I, I'm just going to challenge you to, to, to lean in a little bit and just be paying attention to something that might be new, something that might be fresh, something that might help you understand something that maybe has been unclear before, and just listen, you know, name the fact that you're tempted to tune out, but maybe just pay attention just a little bit for something that might jump out to you as being worth holding on to. But for others of us, this morning, we are followers of Jesus, and we've been followers of Jesus perhaps for years, sometimes a short period of time, sometimes a long period of time, but we've never took a, taken the opportunity to be baptized, and we aren't, maybe we aren't sure what it is, maybe we aren't sure why we should do it, and so this morning we want to talk a little bit about baptism and, and, and the role that it plays in, the fo- in a follower of Jesus' life. And at the end, we're going to talk about a baptism service that we're planning in November that perhaps you might want to be involved in. And so uh, this morning might be particularly for you because maybe you've been waiting for a while to be baptized and you've never had the opportunity. This might be the opportunity you're waiting for. 
This morning we're looking at how baptism is a way that we celebrate and declare our commitment to what Jesus is growing in our lives. And we're going to do so by looking at two points this morning. The first point is that baptism is an acknowledgement of our need for Jesus. Now before we get into this, let me just acknowledge that baptism is not unique to Christians. In fact, the, ba- the practice that we call baptism is rather widespread. Uh, examples include the Hindu, ri- Hindu rituals in the Ganges River, purification rituals in ancient Babylon, and the Egyptian practice of purifying newborn children. And baptism was even a part of the Jewish religious tradition as, as, as a requirement for new converts. It was a part of their conversion processes that you would be baptized. Now, in general, there are some common traits in all of these practices, and these include the use of water and the connection with the removal of guilt and cleansing and the idea of a new start. And Christian baptism shares these traits. Now, as we get into the New Testament, as we get into the Gospels, we meet a man uh, that we know as as John the Baptist, uh, who God is using to prepare his people for the coming of Jesus. And as a part of his ministry, he's inviting people to repent. That is to recognize the sin that's in their lives and their need for God and to turn towards God. And John connects repentance with baptism, with this practice of baptism. And this connection is why John balks at the idea of Jesus being baptized. Jesus walks up to John and says, can I be baptized? And John says, whoa, this this shouldn't be this way. Because what does Jesus have to repent of? But Jesus is baptized as a way of identifying with humanity, with people like us. Because later on the cross, Jesus would take on all of our sin, past, present, and future, to provide a way for us to have an intimate relationship with God. As we get to the book of Acts, one of Jesus' disciples, Peter, says to to a crowd of folks uh, who have just listened to him talk, talk about Jesus, he says this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. You know, as much as we don't like it, the starting point of following Jesus is acknowledging that there are, there's something called sin in our lives that is causing us to, to not live out the life that God designed us to have. That within each of us, there are things that are not good, that are not loving, that are not pure in how we think, how we act, how we live in relationship to others. And as much as we might try, we don't really have control over those things. And the result is that we miss out on this life that God has created for us. And so a starting point to faith is acknowledging our need, acknowledging where we're starting from. And that we need help and turning to Jesus. And this is what repentance is all about. Now we can, and we very much should, practice repentance as, a, as something that's between us and God. And that can be done quietly, you know, just on our own. And that's a good thing. But I think that God knows that, that as human beings, inward realities somehow become more real when they're expressed in outward, you know, in outward actions. That what is quietly true becomes deeper and becomes a deeper and more real, tangible part of us when we act on it. I mean, a couple can know that they are committed to one another without a wedding ceremony. But there's something about that moment in time when they stand before each other and they say out loud, they pledge themselves to each other out loud, and, and they pledge themselves before other people that makes that inward commitment that is real somehow more true intangible. There's something about that, pledging 
outward pledging of, each, of one another, you know, myself to you, that makes it real. And so throughout scripture, we hear the call to followers of Jesus to be baptized, to take, that st- to take another step of faith, to take that what is inwardly true in terms of our relationship with Jesus and to express it outwardly, that we have acknowledged our need for Jesus and we are accepting his way for our lives. All right, we're going to change gears here because this week I found a picture of myself that's just gold. Can we show that right now? Yeah. This is a grade 8 Josh in all of his glorious hair and smooth skin complexion. And uh, I showed this to my kids. And uh, Isaac says to me, he's like, is that you? I said, yeah. He said, you look little. I said, yeah. Um, And what I just noticed this morning is really special about this picture. If you look in the top corners, you will see what is sticky tack marks that I clearly stuck this to something at some point in time uh, when this was a printed picture. But this is grade 8 Josh. And I was thinking about grade 8 Josh because... uh, Back at the first day of grade 8, I remember thinking it was such an important day, first day of school. Because grade 7 hadn't been so good. But grade 8, I wanted to come in and I want people to know that I was in grade 8 now. That this is, I wanted people to know who I was and what I was about. Grade 8 Josh got picked on by the grade... Grade 7 Josh got picked on by the grade 8s. But grade 8 Josh was taller... And it had a brand new voice, if you know what I mean. It had been a good summer. And so I was coming in... <laughs> It's like the best summer ever. <laughs> Let's talk about puberty in church, shall we? <laughs> but I wanted that first day of school to be all about expressing who I was, that this is who I am now. That person that they knew before, I'm not that person anymore. I don't sound like that person anymore. I'm taller than that person. I'm a new person. You know, one of the themes that we find in Scripture is that because of Jesus, sorry, I just got hung on with the fact that we're talking about baptism and I just talked about puberty. <laughs> just need a moment here. <sighs> Gosh. All right, back on track here. You know, one of the themes that we find in Scripture is that there's this connection. There, there, there's, the, there's something that Jesus does in his death and his resurrection that completely and utterly transforms who we are. That who we used to be isn't who we are now because of Jesus. That what used to call the shots, that old awkward part of who we are, is done away with. And now we are brand new people because of Jesus with new priorities, new values, people who are rooted in his life and in his love. And baptism expresses that newness. And so our second point this morning is that baptism is a declaration that Jesus has made us new. And to, to talk a little bit about this, we are going to look at, at a few verses from Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. For if we've been united with him in in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. 
For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. You know, there's a lot of good stuff in there that we could really dig into. But the big idea in this passage is that the death and resurrection of Jesus changes things for Jesus' followers. And Paul connects this and uses, connects this with the experience of baptism, using this imagery of going under the water and coming out of it, and connects it with Jesus' death and resurrection. That as we are immersed in, in the water, that there is a connection with the death and burial of, of Jesus. And the part of this that was controlled by sin is likewise put to death and is likewise buried. And what comes out of the water, as we come out of the water, there's a connection with Jesus' resurrection and the new life and the new possibilities that Jesus makes possible in us because he is alive. You know, for some of us, our decision to, to follow Jesus was a dramatic one. It was a dramatic moment in time that we will never forget. We remember that moment when we, were, we put up our hand and we, 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 we prayed and we asked Jesus into our hearts. Or there was this moment where we suddenly, you know, emotional moment where we suddenly broke down and we realized that what was missing in our life was Jesus. We remember that moment in time. But for others of us, our spiritual journey has been less dramatic and in fact, we might not be able to identify a single moment when we became a follower of Jesus. And you know what? If that's you, I think that's okay. In fact, the way that Jesus talks about the kingdom of God sometimes makes it sound like that's not abnormal. As Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, one of the images that he uses is of a seed that is planted and it quietly grows and grows until it's, this, until it's a large tree. It's a rather plain and ordinary description of something that you say is the kingdom of God. That should be big and grand. It's a rather plain and ordinary description. And I think it tells us something about how God works. That often God works quietly and patiently to grow good things both in us and in the world around us. And I think this is important for us to keep in mind as we reflect on our own spiritual lives. That seeds of faith can grow quietly in us over time until one day we look back and we, we see something that, wasn't, that we know wasn't there before. That once was what was empty and plain and maybe had some ugly things in it, now has something beautiful and life-giving and vibrant. And the only explanation is that God has been doing something quietly in our lives. Our baptism is a moment in time when we celebrate what God has been doing and what God is doing, and we are declaring in that moment that we are committed to Jesus. It is a singular moment in time where we can look back and we can say, this is who I am now. Because of Jesus, what can be our default settings of being selfish and rude and bitter and so many other things are that we are choosing to reject that. We are choosing to put that to death and say, that's not who I am anymore. And instead, we are putting on a new self, a new identity that, that Jesus has given us and the Holy Spirit is growing in us that is known by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. This is the new life that Jesus wants for us. That that is who we are now. 
Now, baptism is not about being perfect, okay? You're not supposed to have attained all these good things in order to be, you, don't, you aren't supposed to be perfect to be baptized. Instead, baptism is a moment in time where we actually, it's more of a declaration of intent. That this is who I am now. This is who Jesus is making me into. It's a statement of who we want to be. It's a moment in time that we'll look back at and, and, and say, that is who I am. Now, as we wrap up our time this morning, I want to acknowledge that the way that we've talked about baptism here at West Heights might be different than uh, how you've experienced other Christian traditions talking about baptism. In fact, one of the wonderful things about this church community is that there are those of us who have attended church our entire lives, and we represent a variety of traditions and expressions of the Christian faith, and that's a good thing. And in some cases, you have experienced baptism in a different way than how we practice it here at West Heights, and that's okay. You know, we have a view of the family of God that is big enough to believe that we have brothers and sisters who may practice their faith differently than we do. Here at West Heights, we are a part of a, a Christian tradition called Anabaptists. And early Anabaptists came to the conclusion that baptism was for individuals who made their own decision to follow Jesus. And they saw baptism as a symbol of, of the commitment and loyalty to Jesus that somebody had to make for themselves. Now, we know that Anabaptists aren't the only group of Christians who think this way about baptism. And again, we know that there are people who love Jesus who, who practice and think about baptism differently than we do. But this is how we understand what the Bible teaches about baptism. It's how we sh how, what has shaped how we talked about baptism this morning and how we practice baptism here at West Heights. Now, one of the reasons why we have chosen to talk about baptism this morning is, well, one, it's been a little while since we've talked about baptism. And, and, and two, we have some folks who are interested in baptism already. And so we are planning a baptism ser uh, service for the end of November. It's our anniversary Sunday. Because we thought, what better way to express who we are and celebrate who we are as a church community than to have a whole bunch of baptisms? And so we've got a couple of people who are interested in baptism already, and we would like to have more. And so this is an opportunity for some of us to put our hand up and say, I want to find out more about baptism. Now, for some of, some of us, again, we've been waiting for the opportunity, and this is it. You know, you're ready. You just need to say, sign me up. I'm good to go. For others of us, we need a no-obligation conversation, right? Because this has been good, but we need to find out more before figuring out what we have to sign. And for the record, you don't have to sign anything. It's okay. You do get one of these cool t-shirts, by the way, okay? So we baptize you, you get a t-shirt. <laughs> It's a surprise, yeah, finally, I'm getting my prize, ga or prize game up to snuff, there you go. But for some of us, what we need is we need a no-obligation conversation because, well, this has been a good starting point. Maybe we've heard something we haven't thought about before. Maybe we find ourselves thinking about baptism, we pushed it off a little bit, but we just need to kind of nudge that conversation forward. And if you want to have that conversation with us, again, no pressure for the end of November. We can have a baptism, baptism service another time if we want, Okay. But if you're wondering, no, how do, we, how, do I, you know, how do I sign up? Or how do I get this no-obligation conversation going? There's a couple ways. The first is that out in the foyer, we have this thing called the Welcome Center, and there's a pad of paper there with connection cards. Write your name, bit of contact information, and you can check the box that says, I want to find out more about baptism. Actually, I think it just says the word baptism, but you can just check that box, and you can put it in the white box that's out there. You can do that this morning, you can do that next week, you can do that 
you know, whenever it's good for you, but you can do that today if you want. Or you can send me an email. And uh, our email, email address is in the sermon notes. Uh, you can find it online. You can let us know, let me know. And we'd love to start that conversation with you about baptism. And we're going to do our best to kind of include this in, in our messaging over the next couple weeks. Uh, but we just wanted to make sure that there was an opportunity for folks to be baptized because baptism is an opportunity to celebrate what God has done in our lives and is doing in our lives. And a moment in time where we commit ourselves maybe all over again to following Jesus. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, thank you so much again for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to laugh. Thank you for the opportunity to learn. And Lord, uh, God, as we enter into this new year, would you provide us with opportunities to, to reflect on what has been good? And Lord, to commit ourselves to, 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 to good and honorable and loving things in this season that's ahead. Lord, as it pertains to our spiritual lives, look, there are many ways that we can do this. And we just, you know, I admit baptism is just one of those. But as we enter into this fall season, may this be a season of growth. May this be a season of maturity. May this be a, a season where we grow in our understanding and our experience of Jesus and the way of Jesus in our lives. And God, if baptism is a part of that, that would be wonderful too. Lord, I thank you for this church community. And Lord, we ask for your blessing on the week that is ahead. In your name we pray. Amen.